the Purpose Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. We're all about delivering great content, thoughtful discussions, and tips and tricks to help you truly get the most out of your life and business. And here's your charismatic host, me, Matt Browning. Welcome to the new episode of the Purpose Driven Entrepreneur. I'm Matt Browning, as you know, because you're either listening to this and you saw my name, or you're on the Facebook stream right now, watching this the day before it drops, and of course, you're following me and you know who I am. If you don't, I'm so glad to meet you. I'm super excited. This week, today, man, good day, great week. Today is the day. <laughs> so excited. Today is the day that I start a fresh mini series where I am going to unveil for the first time or reveal for the first time the content in my brand new book, The Firebox Principle The Seven Drives That Fuel Every Entrepreneur. Now, most of you, you probably have an idea. I've been working on this for a while. I've been talking about it. I've been dropping hints here and there and all that stuff. But today I'm going to actually get into it. I'm going to share the the origin story behind why the book and where it came from. Uh, I'm also going to share with you uh, the relevance and the importance of the content of the book. And then I'm even going to take, if I have time, I'm going to take a few minutes and break down the different drives in the book. There are seven drives that I have found in my research that fuel basically every entrepreneur and every visionary movement that's ever been. Um, I know it's crazy that it can fit into seven drives, but it can. So that's really fun. I'm going to get to those in a minute. Um, And then lastly, uh, I'm going to share with you my acronym Firebox and what I've been working on as of lately. Now the book's in editing and I'm working on the Firebox acronym of the seven keys to motivate and engage a team and a tribe of people. So if this is all exciting, let's jump in. So the first thing I want to say is business is changing again. Of course it is. Right now, as you may realize, story is more important than ever. It's not just a business thing, but it's a cultural thing. Look at look at superhero movies and shows, right? When I was a kid, I used to watch in the 80s the reruns of the Batman episodes in the 60s with Adam West, right? And, you know, the, the old syndicated uh, superhero movies and TV shows – there wasn't much origin story. You know, you didn't really know what happened with Batman. All I knew about Adam West is he wore gray spandex and he had bat shark repellent and he had a bat gimmick for every single situation in his bat utility belt and and they had a bat copter and, and it was really cool and that was all I knew. And I knew there were good guys and there were bad guys. As the Batman movies came out, it got a little more interesting and you found out little things about them. Now, all throughout every comic book, there's always been origin stories. But as of late, have you noticed that when it comes to Marvel, when it comes to even the DC universe, which is clearly subpar, I'll get to that, but either universe right now in in the movies, so much is going into the background and the origin stories. Look at Star Wars with the success of Solo. The Star Wars saga is finished. There's been nine episodes. We're all done. We kind of know what happened. But how many more movies can they bring out? As many as they want, honestly. They brought out Solo and they said, wait, let's get into the origin story of how did Chewbacca and Han Solo meet? I care about who they are and I care about what drives them as people or uh, Wookiees or you know whoever they are. But right, like I, I care about them. So I always, I've just been fascinated with origin stories. I'm always so curious about this. You know, w- when I was younger, I read a lot of biographies and I still do about successful people. And I read Napoleon Hills Think and Grow Rich back in the day. 
And I was fascinated, especially in the NLP field, all the neuro-linguistic programming I've been doing. I've been fascinated about how people do things, the patterns of success. And I've been teaching on that, honestly, for for the better part of a, a decade, 12 years now, teaching about the patterns and secrets of success. But here's what I started getting really interested in. Not so much the how people do it, but the why. Why are successful people successful? Why did somebody get into a particular industry? Why, you know, is a Richard Branson, you know, wanting to have his name on so many different enterprises? Why did a Vince McMahon from the WWE, the World Wrestling Entertainment, you know I'm a pro wrestling fan. Guess what? Of course I worked it into the book. Obviously I'm going to work wrestling into the book. I'm a big wrestling fan, so I got to put that in. But I I, I looked at a Vince McMahon and I thought, why was he the one promoter of all the promoters in that business? They want to take over nationally and now globally. They're a global juggernaut. He's worth $4.5 billion. How did that happen from a little regional territory that promoted Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant? Um, so I was fascinated with the why. So Firebox Principle, the book, is all about the why, the origin stories that shape us as entrepreneurs. How did we become who we are? How did, how did we get to start the thing we started? And this is really relevant for you for two different reasons. The first reason, if you've already started something and you've been at it for a little while, you're going to get some really clear insight into what has been driving you in the past, what's currently driving you today, and what you want to drive you in the future. Because believe it or not, it might change. You might look at what's driving you now and go, that's not what I want. That's not my intention. And you might, might reorient the ship, so to speak. The other option is you haven't started yet. And now you get to look at some of the why and the motivations behind some very successful people in the world and decide which, if any of those, you want to model. Which area in your life and your experiences and your story do you want to grab the fuel from to decide that that's what's going to start your entrepreneurship journey? You know, if you're in love with the idea of being an entrepreneur and that's it, that's not enough anymore. It never was really enough in my opinion, but it's not enough to be in love with the idea. You know, there's a lot of of selling going on about lifestyle entrepreneur and, you know, the entrepreneur lifestyle and it's all about freedom and, you know, laptop lifestyle where you're in Hawaii and make a bunch of money and, you know, the, you know, get the next Maserati and and whatever it is, is whether it's about money, it's about fame, it's it's about freedom, it's about family. It's all the same in one element or another. All that is the same. It's selfish. It's selfish and it's a story about why do I want to create a business? We never stop and say, why am I actually creating this? It's got to be for a reason. Now, sometimes one of the reasons, which I call the thrive drive, is in fact for us to get our station in life to a higher place, whether it's just mere survival or it's totally thriving and want to go to the next level and really have um, uh, the material success in the world. That's only one of the drives. The most successful platforms have been built on seven different drives. So let's talk about the Firebox principle, shall we? We shall. Now, before I do too quickly, I, I should probably plug the book because I'm going to be talking about it the whole episode. Um, the ebook official release date, we're working hard on this to get it through editing and the final processes, is July 13th, 2018. So as you listen to this or watch this right now, just realize I'm dropping this episode in June. It's about a month away. So get ready. We're going to have the ebook July 13th. The hardcover book is going to come as a follow-up with a book tour on uh, August 13th. So the hard book or the hardcover is going to be a follow-up on August 13th, and we'll be coming after uh, doing a book tour for that. 
Um, so that is that. That's the book. So look for that. It'll be on Amazon. It'll be uh, all over the internet, I promise you. And I might even be coming to your town. You never know. Uh, make sure you talk to your local Barnes & Noble. Tell them, hey, I want Matt Browning to come in. And they'll be like, who? And you're like, Matt Browning. And then you tell them about the podcast and they'll be all excited about it, I think. Anyways, so where did the idea for the Firebox principle come from? So the first question you might have is what's Firebox? And I thought this was a really cool metaphor because one, I like you know fire. It's like, it's really great. Um, but the Firebox is something that's in every single steam locomotive. So, you know, especially back in the day when all the trains, you know, they, they got into uh, steam engine trains. And what would happen is in the center uh, of the area or the center of the uh, little conductory area, there was where all the fuel was and there was the firebox. The firebox was this like steel huge box. It, it, was, it wasn't little. It was actually quite big. It was the size of a, a train car. And they would fill it with a particular kind of fuel. The fuel would burn. Eventually, all the steam from the fuel would go up, and the steam would be the thing that fired up the engine and moved the train forward. So the question the firebox principle answers or asks, it answers and also asks you is, what's your firebox made of and what's in your firebox? See, the funny thing is, fireboxes could have many different fuels. Like the Brits, they tended to to love coal the best. In America, we use wood most often. But depending on where, where we are in the country in different areas, well, what happened is when the environment changed, the the train conductors would grab fuel based on the environment they were in. If wood was plentiful, they'd use wood. Some parts of the country use oil. Uh, some even use sugar and sugar forms. No matter what the fuel was, it would burn a little bit differently. But there was a particular fuel that went inside the firebox and it pushed the train forward. In your business and your enterprise, you have a firebox. And inside that firebox, you've been fueling it with something. The question this book wants to answer for you and help you to discover is what has been fueling your firebox? Pretty cool, right? So if you like the idea so far, stay with me for a little while and I'm going to explain what the drives are and how they can impact and what you can do with them. So here's a few things you can do once you understand the firebox. Number one, you can consciously align with your subconscious passion and vision. And what I mean by that is somewhere at the other than conscious level, maybe you haven't been aware of it, there may have been a a particular fuel that had been driving you forward that maybe is why you founded a company in the first place. But sometimes even the company founder isn't aware of what the fuel is made of. They don't know what their drive is. All they know is they want to keep moving something forward. And, And on the surface, it might look like, oh, I want to be successful. But under the surface, maybe they need, there's something to prove. Or maybe they're trying to get back and show someone, right, that, that they're as good as they think they are. Um, and I'll talk about some of those. That's the story of Lamborghini, right? You might think, oh, that he wanted to be successful, make a bunch of money. Or he wanted to make an amazing, beautiful sports car. No. No, La- Lamborghini was pissed off at Enzo Ferrari. He was upset because he was – Enzo Ferrari called him a lowly tractor mechanic who uh, when he went to go buy a Ferrari, once he became a little more um, successful – Uh, Mr. Lamborghini gave Mr. Ferrari a little bit of insight and advice. He wrote to him and gave him a few pieces of information about how he could improve the engine. Ferrari was so upset that some lowly tractor mechanic would try to give him advice that he told him to get lost and didn't want to hear from him. So Lamborghini said, I'll show you and I'll build my own version. I'll make it even better, right? So what's neat is on the surface, you could look at a company like Lamborghini and think, man, there's all sorts of drives, right? There's all sorts of reasons why they're doing what they're doing. And if you went and talked to the team members, you might get a variety of reasons. But if you look under the hood, 
so to speak. If you look inside the firebox, you'll see that the very first fuel was fuel of anger slash revenge. They wanted to get back and show you that all do better. And that is so powerful. Now, here's what's neat. Today, you have a few choices. You can either find out what you started with, and then you can realign yourself with that and bring that up into your story. Bring it out, right? Wave the flag with pride, as I like to say. You know, Wave that flag and say, yes, we started this company for this reason. And here's our story. So many companies are doing that nowadays, uh, as obviously you, you probably be aware of. But f- shockingly, so many are, but very, very few do it well. And very few actually get their story from their firebox. So again, the other option is you might decide that what you started the company for and why you're doing it today, 10, 20, 100 years later, isn't what you wanted. It's not the purpose. So in that case, you can look at the different fuels and decide maybe it's time for a pit stop. Maybe it's time to get rid of the old fuel, put in a new fuel. So that's the idea. So here's a few things you can do once you decide how you're going to refuel. Number one, you can motivate your team to follow and engage with you. So if you're looking to motivate team, uh, whether it's employee team, it's client team, it's volunteer team, uh, partners, whatever it is, if there's people that are on board, nothing gets someone more on board than connecting and engaging with your story. They need to engage in the why. They have to engage in the why. A recent Gallup poll showed that over 80% of, of young people working in business today, the millennial generation as they call it, the primary drive, the reason why they work with the company they work with is not money. It used to be money. It's not money. 80%, there's another reason. It's, it, it's employee engagement, it's care, it's the story, it's the environment, it's the vision and what they're creating. So what you find is team members will, will, will bend over backwards and work twice as hard if the vision is big enough, if the why is big enough. So bringing your firebox into it and bringing your why can really help to engage and inspire uh, and motivate the team. You can also, of course, create inspiring origin stories for people to buy into. You know, look at a Tom's Shoes. Uh, Blake Mikowski founded Tom's Shoes and, and created the entire, the whole company was built on a story. So you know the power of story. Listen, my story is I saw kids that didn't have shoes in Argentina, and I wanted to give them shoes. So instead of being beholden to donations and not really, you know, being impotent to do anything, we decided to make a for-profit shoe company. And instead of just pocketing profits and donating money, We'll still make money, but every time you buy a pair of shoes, we'll donate a pair of shoes to a kid who needs them. And now, you know, they donated how many millions of shoes at this point. It's incredible. But the thing that sold the shoes in the beginning was the origin story. Everybody knew. If you wore a pair of Tom's shoes, you knew why you wore it, and you knew why they started it. You had no guess. In fact, you probably told people at the airport standing in line next to you the story of Tom's shoes. So the power of of an inspiring origin story cannot be understated. And the third thing you can do with it is re-engage yourself as passionately as when you started. Maybe you feel like you've been at this thing for a little while and you've lost some passion, you've lost some vision. Maybe it's time to re-engage that. So if you've re-engaged with what your initial firebox was, or again, like I said, maybe it's kind of, it's, it's ran its course, the fuel's dried up, and now it's time for a new fuel. Now it's time for, uh, you know, to, to, to change the firebox. 
that's going to give you a new passion inside. And it's going to reignite the flames to really get you moving. So whether you need re-engagement, your clients need a great story to grab onto, or your team needs motivation to, to engage and grab hold, um, I guess sit down, grab hold, and let's get ready to get into the firebox. So here are the seven drives that you can expect. Now, just before I do those, I want to mention uh, today is Monday as I'm recording this live on Facebook. Also, of course, you might be listening on the podcast stream, which drops Tuesday morning, so you're getting this right after. Make sure you friend me on Facebook at uh, uh, my personal profile. I'm still doing these, M. Browning. You can also, of course, grab my page at Matt Browning. But make sure you get on Facebook is what's going to happen. And then follow. Make sure you follow so it'll notify you when I go live. Because over the course of the next three, three and a half weeks, every single podcast episode is going to be me diving deep into a chapter of the book. So the next seven are going to be all about uh, each individual drive. And I have a very, very special podcast episode coming your way. It's an interview I've already done. I'm so uh, excited and blessed for this. Um, the person who wrote the foreword to my book, I, I was going to say, should I reveal later? You know what? I'll reveal it right now. If you're watching this, you deserve it. You're right in the middle of the episode, right? You're, so you're not in the beginning, not in the end. You've watched, listened long enough. You deserve the name. His name is Mr. Larry Broughton. He's a, a hotelier. He owns a, a huge uh, a chain of boutique hotels called Broughton Hotels. He's a featured expert on Hotel Impossible on the Travel Channel, and he's a former Army Green Beret Special Forces uh, soldier. A phenomenal leadership a human being, well, a phenomenal leadership personality, and just an amazing human being. Let's put it both of those. Um, I'm blessed to call him a good friend. He's become a dear friend over the last several years. And he agreed to write the foreword to my book. I know, right? Jim's on there on Facebook saying, love Larry. That's great. So uh, so he's writing the foreword. And I have a special interview with Larry where we don't get into the book. We actually get into... Uh, we get into his story and growing up and what it was like and what the special forces were like and some leadership lessons and really some firebox lessons from Larry. So um, I believe what will happen is either this next episode on Friday or at the end of the series, one of the two, um, I'm going to drop the uh, an episode with an interview with Larry Broughton who wrote the forward for the book. So that'll be coming up and then we'll hit an episode for each one of the seven drives. And that should be leading up to the point where it's on sale, ready to go. And you can get on uh, and pre-order it in the next few weeks from Amazon. All right. So seven drives, seven drives. If you don't know them already, grab a pen. If you're not driving, grab a pen, jot these down. The first drive is the ego drive. The ego drive is the fuel of someone who, for whatever reason, needed to have a bigger ego or more self-esteem. Now, this isn't as negative and selfish as it seems. Very often, someone who early in life, they either had a, a parental figure who had a really big shadow they cast, or they maybe were, uh, they grew up in a negative place, they got talked down to, they, they didn't think they were going to amount to enough. And these are the kind of people that grow up and, and they don't think about it consciously, but everything they were wanting to build at some point is, hey, I'll show them. I'll show them. I'm going to be big enough. I'm going to be, I'm not going to be my dad. I'm going to do something important. I want to be an important person, a special person. Again, it's not a negative thing necessarily. I should probably mention each one of these drives can be used in the in healthy or unhealthy ways, right? Healthy or unhealthy ways. So when the ego drive is used healthy, it's really great. It's just someone who says, hey, I'm going to be the poster child for this company. I want to build something huge. I want to make a difference. It's going to be awesome. And there you go. But 
If it's unhealthy, then they start making decisions and creating things around them. It's like you want to erect a statue in the park with your face on it. Uh, it's not necessarily the most healthy environment for a team and for client attraction and everything else. But that's the ego drive. And again, I don't, I don't want to get into each one too much right now in the first episode because I'm going to devote an entire episode to each one of the drives. Drive number two, the artisan drive. The artisan drive is essentially the artist, whether it be in music, art, painting, uh, movies, uh, widgets, right? You look at like an Apple company, you know, and I would, I would put Steve Jobs very high in the artisan drive. It was about making something beautiful and creating something for the sake of creating it. There were other drives involved, but, but really the artisan drive to me would be the primary drive. Uh, number three, world impact drive. The world impact drive is similar in a way, but what it's about is, again, as Steve Jobs said, I, I would say Steve Jobs was probably artisan number one, world drive, uh, world impact drive number two. He always talked about wanting to make a dent in the universe, right? Wanting to, to do something special that would last. So world impact is all about, I see something that needs to be impacted and I'm going to do it. I'm going to change something. Um, we're going to, yeah, we're going to change something. I should probably mention at this point too, I haven't done that yet. I should probably mention, no, Peter Lynn asked, can I have a statue of my name in it? No, you cannot have a statue with your name in it if you don't want to be in the ego drive. If you're in the ego drive, have at it. You'll be awesome. Okay. But I should mention at this point that you'll probably find yourself relating to each one of the seven drives at different levels and different points. When I look at my life, I can actually look at different areas of my life and think, oop, that was where I relate to this drive. That's why I relate to that drive. But when you think about your current enterprise that you have, that you've built or you're building, I really want you to think, going to the origin story of why you did it, if you can get really, really honest, I wonder which one was the primary driving force. Now, if you put them all in order, you'd probably have a primary force, a secondary force, a tertiary force, as it were. What a funny word. Uh, you know, but you'd have, you'd have a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You'd probably have them in order. And uh, so there, there's different drives you relate to at different spaces for each enterprise. All right, number four is the contribution drive. Now, contribution drive is very much similar to the world impact as far as wanting to make a difference. The difference is contribution drive was always about the people, not the things. So like when you have an Elon Musk, I would put him in world impact drive because when he thinks about going to space with, you know, with um, uh, SpaceX and, and well, Tesla, I suppose, because he put a Tesla in space. But when you think about Elon Musk, it's I want to get the human race to space. But contribution drive would be something different. This is where you have someone who says it's these people or that person that matters, right? So they start something special for that. I'm going to save a few of the really cool people that uh, I, I model different people in each one of these drives. And in the book, each chapter, I tell several stories. I'm going to tell a little story about my life and an area of my life where I related to that drive. So you'll get an idea. Uh, and then I'm also going to share several stories from different entrepreneurs and different founders um, that I believe based on their stories, their biographies and their quotes and so forth that I believe um, they would they would have been using one of these drives. So that is exciting, okay? So contribution is people, not things, not places. Remember when I said people are not things, exactly. So contribution drive is about, I wanna make a difference for that person or those people or that set of people. Maybe you wanna make a difference for, for uh, orphans or for a particular race or gender or sex or, or 
um, something to that effect. It's those people, right? Where the world impact drive is, I want to I want to drive a, a major difference. I want to change something. Usually, the fifth one, dun, 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 number five, the fifth one is spiritual drive. In the spiritual drive, the difference here is it's all about what the higher power says to do. So you'll find this a lot of times, not every time, but a lot of times in the church scape or in the ministry scape. Um, I look at Mother Teresa as a, as a spiritual drive. Now, was she deeply compassionate and loved and cared for people? Absolutely. But to me, contribution drive was probably her number two or three, not number one. And the reason I say that is because she would be quoted saying things like, when I was uh, in with the nuns and I was first learning, I was directed by God. I heard his voice. I was directed by God to go take care of the poor and live amongst them. And to not listen would be to be disobedient to God. So Mother Teresa even talked about the fact that, listen, I feel like my God is telling me to do this, so I must. So spiritual drive is about a spiritual force that drives you. And secondarily, you might result in taking care and pastoring people. Or you might make a big impact in the world, like a Billy Graham. Like, I don't know. what. I, let's look at Billy Graham. He could be a spiritual first. He might be a world impact second. Or he could have been a contribution. Some preachers and ministers, it could be artisan even. So just just because you're in a particular industry doesn't mean automatically you have that drive. Does that make sense? Like you could have a, a music or a painter or a writer and not necessarily be artisan. They could write for any number of reasons, couldn't they? You could rap for any number of reasons. Um, you could preach for any number of reasons. I hope that makes sense. Just because you're in a particular context or, or you do certain content in your career doesn't mean that you have a drive that seems to relate to it. You could have any drive in any context. The sixth one. Six one. Is this way? This way. I think that's right. Okay. Six one. Thrive drive. Now, I alluded to this earlier. The thrive drive is the drive that is all about improving your station in life. That's the commonality of it. Sometimes it feels like survival, right? You, you find the thrive drive among maybe immigrant families who have come over with very little and they work their butt off. They create something, they get it figured out and they want their kids to have a better life. They're trying to, to evolve their station for their family in life. Some people, they go to school for it. Some people, they, uh, you know, they start a business for it, whatever it is, but it, it, it can go to any level. The Thrive Drive can start from dead survival. Like I have $2 in my, in, in my pocket. I, have, I, have, I don't eat and I want to create something so I can eat, right? I want to create something so I can finally do something. But it can also go all the way up where it can go to the Maseratis and Ferraris and Lamborghinis, so to speak. It can go to the mansions and many mansions and saying, I want to have a great life. And again, the Firebox principle is about not making any of these right or wrong because if you're highly you know, spiritual or contribution or whatever, you might look at, at or be tempted to look at the thrive drive or the ego drive. And you might be tempted to look at those and go, well, that's not good. That's wrong. It's not. It's the drive that fuels you. If the drive that fuels you is to have a beautiful home that's lavish and you can have your family there and you can have your friends and you can throw parties and you can have all this and you can travel, if that's what you want, if that's what's driving inside in a season of life and you create something out of it, look at all the good that does, right? You can say, yeah, we are all about having a great life for our team members, for our clients, for ourselves, for the owner, whatever, you know, that's fine. 
Um, Thrive Drive is pretty high on my list for for founding evolution seminars. So it's not the highest one, um, but it's really important. It's a livelihood, and it's okay to to get excited about that. When it gets unhealthy is when everything is all about the Thrive Drive. And, you know, you saw it like in the mortgage business during in the real estate business and, and the trading business in, in um, during the last meltdown in 08, where some people were so driven by the Thrive Drive, but it was unhealthy, which means it was totally selfish. And when the Thrive Drive gets really selfish, it can actually hurt other people because you win, they lose. We'll talk about that more when we get to the Thrive Drive episode. The last of the seven is anger revenge. Oh, yeah. Anger or revenge drive. And that's probably the most controversial. And to me, it's the most fun. That's the one I'm using a lot in the media right now. Um, you know, when you look at, you know, these top four companies actually were founded off of uh, the need for revenge. Guess which ones they are. And you never guess that it's going to be Dyson Vacuums or Lamborghini or um, Adidas, you know, the shoe company. There's, there's so many just fascinating stories around companies that got created because they wanted to show someone up. They wanted to get back at a person, a company, a sibling, or an industry that they were upset about. And that's the anger revenge drive. Okay. Uh, so I'll get into that more on the anger revenge episode. So that's the, the almost the last part. Stick with me for a few more minutes. This is really, really worth it um, to hang out because I have seven leadership principles I would love, if you're listening or watching right now, I would love to get your feedback. If you're not already on Facebook, go over to Facebook when you get a second, find the video for this podcast or message me. You can tweet me, you can Instagram me, whatever platform you use, I will get it. But send me a message or leave a comment. Let me know what you think about these seven leadership keys. The reason I'm asking for feedback is this is me launching this right now. My plan is to use these when uh, I'm doing a big media push in the next uh, couple of months, um, really, really going after, uh, wanting to book some uh, some TV, some news segments, um, going to be pitching radio stations, and really just going at it. And a big part of it, what everyone seems to want in the media, is the five keys to this, the seven keys to that. So bringing it, So I have an acronym for Firebox, and I'm curious what you think. Are you ready? The acronym for Firebox. So Firebox. So the F is for flexible. So for me, as a business owner, I need to be able to reinvent myself and my business purpose whenever I need to, right? So reinvent what's necessary. Take on your own story um, and, and be flexible. You know, like don't just think, well, whatever I've always said is what we always do. Be flexible enough to take on when you find out what your Firebox principle is and decide, is this what I want to do? Is this who I want to be? Do we want to change it? What, what works best? So be flexible. So F is flexible. The I in Firebox is inspire. So this is the element where if you really want to motivate a team moving forward, if you really want to wrap people around the idea of this Firebox of yours, get in touch with your big why. Why did you do it, right? So the inspire is truly to get a hold of that ori original firebox, get a hold of your origin story and embrace it, own it, right? And, and, and feel the inspiration. And here's the truth. If your firebox fuel doesn't inspire you anymore, be flexible enough to change it. That's back to the F, right? So be flexible to figure it out. Inspire, make sure that what you have does in fact inspire you. The R in Firebox is reflect. 
You must in business or any enterprise, any organization, family for that matter, take the time to reflect. Take the time to ask, how did I get here? Is this where I want to be? Is this where I intended to go in the beginning? Is there anywhere else I should be going? Right? Where, where is our family supposed to go? Where is this business supposed to go? The people we're currently working with, was that my original intention? Has it changed over time? Right? Do we need to? The idea is sit and, and, and stop and ask. One of my, my favorite mentors, Keith Cunningham, I'm just reading his new book right now. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal book. Phenomenal human being. It is the, his book is called, a little plug for Keith, The Road Less Stupid. And he has this great concept in there. It's basically about don't try to be smarter, just make less stupid choices. And he has a concept in there called thinking time. And at the end of every chapter, he says, okay, now go and think. You'll thank me for it later. So the Reflect and Firebox is all about getting your thinking time. Take time away from doing and just be, listen, breathe, think, reflect, and just take the time. All right, the E in Firebox is empathy. When you tell your story and and you share your driving force inside, you become more human as the owner. People relate to you more. Your team can empathize with you and you'll be able to empathize with them even more. Take the time to bring empathy. When I look at the people I'm serving, it's easy to, to lose sight of who you're actually there to help, right? What you're really there for, what motivation in the beginning. When I first started Evolution, I was on a tear, my life's purpose to transform just one person and help them to change and and create a new life because I was so just in that and like I just wanted to help a human being transform. And with that, I brought tremendous empathy because I just care so deeply. Over time, I'll call myself out. It, it got really easy as I as I focused on the business itself. And I focused on, you know, uh, numbers and show up rates and percentages and, and sales and accounting and, and equity balance sheets. And, you know, you start focusing on, on enterprise, right? And, and employees and, and inventory and whatnot. It was easy to accidentally lose sight of the whole reason why I started this in the first place, which is for you, right? Just for you. I want you to hear something right now. I want you to see something and I want you to be changed because of it. I, w- I want you to take that little thing and go, wow, that that's going to change who I am or how I show up. And that's why I'm doing this. So remember to bring empathy into your business. Bring it by getting in touch with your firebox and sharing it with people. You become more human, more relatable. So that's the fire in firebox. Flexible, inspire, reflect, and empathy. The box and firebox, B-O-X, so the B is for bond. So give your people, this is more about the team itself. So bring, make an environment where your people can bond. There's something for them to do. Um, it's not about perks. It's not about having a space where there's a nap room or there's extra jelly beans or there's free Red Bull in the fridge. Those are all cool. Those are perks. That's, that's not culture. Make a culture where there's safety, um, safety to express why you're here, what you want, uh, what you're getting out of this, what your dreams and hopes are. If you have a, a culture where it's safe to communicate and safe to express, and it starts with you, you have to be the one to say, hey, this is why I started this. So again, tap into the firebox. They tap into the firebox with you, and you can bond over the experience. 
One of my favorite things to do in corporate environment is go doing leadership retreats. I remember when the YMCA brought me in, I went into, uh, they did a little camping leadership retreat at a cabin just for a day. It wasn't overnight. And when all the leaders and managers came back to this, this cabin, you know, room, and we did some leadership games and what it was all about, what they wanted was a bond. So we went to a new environment and we all bonded over the same things, right? The same outcomes. And at the end of it, we unpacked and said, okay, so now that like we feel more bonded together, how are we going to bring this culture of bonding and love and connectedness to the people we serve? So B is for bond. The O is own. The last piece really is own your story. Get out of hiding. Get out of your hi- get out of hiding. Quit playing small. Quit, you know, not showing up. Quit trying to to spin for PR and say I'm going to share this part but not that part. You know the most powerful stories on stage that I give or tell, I guess. When I show up on stage, I've seen so many speakers over so many years now, and they share their personal story. And what happens is over time, your personal story becomes rehearsed. And I've done that. I, I still do it. There's parts of my story I share all the time. But own your, your fallacies. Own uh, your vulnerability. Just own who you are. Own what you've been through. Just like I'm doing right now. I'm just going, you know what? Here's me. Let me just tell you what I messed up on. Let me tell you what, what my life was like. Let me tell you growing up. Let me tell you about this. Own your story, own your experiences, own your successes, own your failures. No one did them but you. No one created them but you. If you've been through horrendous stuff in your environment, other people were involved in your environment, but you created the meaning you created out of it. Just own it, right? So own your firebox fuel and say, you know what? If I started this out of anger, revenge, and I don't want that, and that's not that wasn't healthy maybe, we made something great out of it, and I don't want it anymore. What do you do? You own it. And then you dispose of it. You say, yep, I put the wrong fuel in the firebox. And you go in and you shovel it out and you make another stop and you put the right fuel in that's going to continue your your locomotive moving forward. Make sense? Good. The last part, and we're going to end with this, is X. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, Matt, what cool leadership word could you possibly come up with with X? Is it xylophone? No, it's not xylophone. Does that start with an X? I hope so. The X I came up with is X Factor. That's right, X Factor. What is your X Factor? What's unique about you? What's your unique about your business, your enterprise, your vision? What makes people go, wow? The X Factor for Tom's shoes, even though it was contribution, the X Factor that Blake came up with was the one-for-one model. And so you don't understand when you buy a pair of shoes, you are actually putting a pair of shoes on a kid in a remote village in Argentina, now all over the world. That's an X factor. It doesn't have to be inspirational even. The Cheesecake Factory has an X factor. They have a huge menu that's a novel, thick. And when you leave, you think about, man, what, what do you talk about with the Cheesecake Factory? They have the biggest menu. There's this X factor that makes them unique amongst all the other chain restaurants. One of the and, and so they can be big X factors or little X factors. You could if you're you know a motivational speaker. There's there's X factors. There's um, a friend of mine, Ruben Gonzalez, who uh, he's going to be showing up on the podcast soon. I had privilege to meet him. He's a four-time Olympian and he's shooting to be the oldest Olympian in history uh, when he competes in Beijing at the 2022 Olympics. And I mean, how cool is that, right? A four-time Olympian and 
He has an X factor, though. When he goes to a company, he doesn't just say, hey, let me motivate your team. He says, hey, when I was in the Olympics, I want to tell stories about going to the Olympics four times and being one of the oldest people in, you know, he's 59 now, which isn't old, but is old, right? It depends on, on what you're doing. If you're an Olympic athlete, that's ancient. Um, and he's going to be, you know, breaking the record for it. So how cool is that? What's your X factor? Here's an example of a small X factor, a little thing, little nothing. What we start doing now at our advanced courses is we give out these really cool um, personalized, or not personalized, they're uh, embroidered with our NLP Mastery, NLP uh, year-long coaching certification program. So it has NLP Mastery on it. Snuggies. We took something that was a deficit, which is we keep rooms cold for our seminars, which a lot of people do and um, keeps people awake and it keeps me awake for goodness sakes and I don't sweat on stage. (laughs) But, you know, seminar rooms are notoriously cold. So everybody's always frustrated at different events and they, you know, bring in layers and jackets and stuff. So I thought, why not take something that is, is a complaint oftentimes in the seminar world and why don't we make it into one of our greatest assets? Let's make it an X factor. And now everyone who came to the advanced course all got their own Snuggie and they get to wear a Snuggie, right? Like put their hands through their arms through the blanket sleeves. They get to wear a Snuggie while they go do this event and then they take it with them everywhere. And it's that thing that they go, wow, how cool. What a little touch the Evolution Seminars did for us. You know, they, they, they gave special Snuggies. What a cool little gift. So whether it's a little gift, whether it's something unique about what you are, whether it's something unique or exciting about your your story, um, the X factor to me for this book, which I'll, I'll end with this, is, that's the final piece. So anyway, that was Firebox. Flexible, inspire, reflect, empathy, bond, own, and X factor. Those are the seven leadership keys for the team. If you've listened to this whole thing, if you've taken the time, I thank you. I hope this is valuable for you, by the way. But would you please do me the favor, leave me a comment on my Facebook page or or Instagram or whatever, or direct message me and let me know uh, what you think about it and if it's any good and if you have any feedback or ideas. I'm also, I'm also totally open. I'm flexible. Excuse me. So I'm totally open for feedback and ideas to make this even better. So I was going to say I'll end with this is one of the X factors for the book is um, we we've hooked up with uh, a charity that I decided that I'm going to do for the book. So during the book launch and 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 after that as well, um, a portion of all of my proceeds. So my profit is going to be donated directly to the Byrne Institute of San Diego. And the reason why I wanted to connect with the Byrne Institute, and one, this was not intentional, but the book is called The Firebox Principle. And the Byrne Institute helps uh, burn survivors and their families. Uh, and one of the things they do is they send kids to burn camp every year. So there's a burn camp coming up in August, and they do it every single year. When I was, I think, about 12 or 13, I went to a burn camp. And I burned my hand. You probably, if you're watching the video, you can't see it too well. Um, I'll put that up there. That's my my right hand um, was severely uh, burned, third degree burn on a wall heater when I was a baby. So I don't remember much of it, but I know I had a few surgeries and skin grafts. And the last one I had when I was about nine years old, that's the one I, I vividly remember. And afterwards, a burn association contacted uh, my parents and said, your your son, Matt, can qualify to go to burn camp if he wants to. So I didn't know what to expect, but you know, I showed up at this cool free summer camp. When I got there... I wasn't ready for it. It changed everything about how I thought about myself. I saw kids there my own age 
severe burn survivors, severe scars from burns um, all over the face, all over their arms, their bodies. And and these were kids that, you know, for most of their life, that's all they think about. All, it's really hard to forget that they have scars. So they have this camp in San Diego called Beyond the Scars. And the idea is kids get to forget for a week that there's any scars at all because they get to hang out with a bunch of other kids that have the same scars. So even though I had a small scar and other kids, you know, one of my best friends at camp had, had scars all over his face and his two brothers were burned as well. It was a family tragedy. But yet we got to hang out and play and have a great time. You know, he's taking his shirt off and going swimming and like and just being a kid again. So I'm going to be sharing more and more of that and figuring out how to share that more. But to me, one of the X factors of the book is I've made the decision that a big motivating drive for the book is this is another way to to support the Burn Institute. It costs $1,000 to send a kid to summer camp for the week to go to burn camp. And through our seminar so far this year in 2018, um, we've raised $8,500. So we have eight and a half kids right now that were fully paid for to go to summer camp for the week to be on the SCAR. Isn't that cool? So we only have $1,500 to go for my first goal of $10,000 or we want to send 10 kids to camp. So the book is going to definitely push that over the edge because I'm taking a huge percentage of my any author proceeds and, and donating it directly to Burn Camp. So that can become an X factor. That's something that is unique to the to the story of the book. And you can say, wow, this book, The Firebox Principle, donates its proceeds to you know uh, uh, to the Burn Institute to help to help burn survivors. Isn't that cool? So whatever it is for you, it doesn't have to be a charity thing. It could be anything, but that's the X factor. Anyway, I think that's kind of all I can get into today. This is a longer episode than normal, but I wanted to share with you what was on my heart, what was on my mind, and make the official reveal of the book, the why behind the book, and what I intend to do with it, and what you can do with the Firebox Principle. So be on the lookout for every podcast from this point forward. We have seven more Each one of them is going to be diving into one of the drives a little deeper. So if you, well, I guess you're already listening to this. I was going to say, if you catch this later, go back and listen to the first episode, which is this one, which means you don't need to go back and listen to it. You're fine. You've already heard it. (laughs) But the next uh, seven will be on the drives. And one of them will be a special episode with the interview with Larry Broughton, uh, who I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast. He's the former Green Beret um, Special Forces Uh, soldier and a hotelier with a chain of boutique hotels with Broughton Hotels and a recurring expert on Hotel Impossible on the Travel Channel. So I I have Larry Broughton on. It is a whopper of an interview. It's the longest one I've done so far, uh, well over an hour, and it is worth it. It is phenomenal. You get so much insight into layering into leadership. And, uh, And we'll talk about the book a little bit. All right. Take care. Leave me some feedback. I appreciate you so much uh, for taking your time, and I hope this has been a blessing for you and an encouragement for you. I will see you in a few days uh, with the next episode. Remember, if you're watching on Facebook, I do not put every episode on Facebook. I just want to be clear. All of our, our podcast episodes are available at mattbrawningpodcast.com. Um, that's the best way. But you can get the podcast anywhere where you get your podcasts, on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, whatever it is, you can get them there. They also go up on YouTube as well at our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Matt Browning. You can get them there. Um, But on Facebook, you only get the Monday episodes that I record live on Facebook. So make sure you go to the podcast website or wherever you get podcasts, subscribe to the stream and you'll get this one. Plus all of them will come twice a week. We have an episode. All right, take care, get out there and... 
I don't know. I guess I, guess I need to have a, something to sign off with, don't I? Dang it. I need to have a good firebox sign off. Comment. What should I do? Make sure you ignite your firebox. I'll go with that for now. Bye for now. <laughs>